0: Howdy. If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We are at History and Film on Instagram and HIF Pod on Twitter. My personal Twitter account is at Track Nerds, and you can always email me at Simmons at TrackNerds.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to History and Film. I'm Rich Simmons, and we spent the last few years on this podcast, breaking down world history one movie at a time, and before we transition into some other projects we have lined up here, getting into some TV shows and movies for American history, we're doing kind of a giant wrap-up of a big tournament to determine the most interesting person in the world, uh, at least among those covered uh, at some point during the podcast up to this point, and this is our final matchup in the Elite Eight, so I have uh, Logan Didding and Joe Hubner here with me to discuss who will advance to the final four between Napoleon Bonaparte and Empress Matilda. And this is going to be a tough one cuz you know I don't know which way I want to vote on this one. I want them both to advance to the final four. Can we have can we have five in the final four, guys?
1: Honestly, I thought this was the hardest matchup. And you know, we talked about We've kind of which... said
2: that for every matchup. <laughs> <laughs> me? Have I? No, 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 not not you. I'm just somebody. saying, like, oh, we have, so yeah, far, we have.
1: Somebody has, somebody so has. Far, You're right?
2: Everyone has said like, oh man, this is a really tough matchup. And then like, the, yeah, this one is, the, for me is the, the toughest. one. Rich was like, uh, wait, uh, was it that one or was it the Cleopatra one?
1: Cleopatra Puyi was tough. I was
2: talking about the potential matchup between
0: Cleopatra and Genghis Khan being like the possible oh, championship. Oh, you yeah. guys were like, oh, right. not so fast.
2: <laughs> and then I said, th- I said the same thing about the T.E. Lawrence of the Great matchup. I was like, yeah. yeah, like for me, this is the championship. And yeah, so it's, it's funny that like every single matchup, I'm like God, this is hard. <laughs> now,
1: now I'm not saying this matchup is the championship. I'm just saying this matchup was difficult for me. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get it mistaken. <laughs>
0: so uh, uh, first, I do like starting with having. Joe, would these be the people, if you look at the bracket, is this who you would have chosen to advance to the Elite Eight from uh, from their kind of starting region there? If you kind of pull up the uh, bracket and look.
1: So honestly, uh, Napoleon's bracket was the one that I had the most interest in going into this. Okay. Uh, because it actually has two of the people that I think are super interesting. and And honestly, the one that I wanted to come out of it didn't come out of it. So. Which would have been... I was really, really rooting for Ivan the Terrible. Okay. I'm a really? huge, huge fan of Ivan the Terrible. Uh, it was actually one of the stories that really confirmed that I wanted to teach history. Oh, wow. Okay. Whoa. I, had a, I had, a, had a professor at K-State who, uh, for class one day, he, he gave us two options. And it was like, the class got to choose. Do you want to hear a story about, I don't remember how he put it. It was like, the, like crazy murders or uh, a treasure hunt. And of course, everybody picked like the murders. And, and it was the story of Ivan the Terrible, and it was just—he was such a storyteller with it. And it was just like, man, that is incredible. Like it, it was awesome. And so like ever since then, I've been a huge fan of Ivan the Terrible, and I really wanted him to come out of that bracket. Even though I'm also a big Napoleon fan, and we can get into that
0: okay, okay. Uh, here shortly.
1: But that was that was the bracket that I had my eyes on the whole time, and I was like, oh, I want to see him make it out, but. Uh, didn't happen. that's
2: funny because for me I thought that that was like so out of all these brackets the Napoleon bracket and the Genghis Khan bracket I thought were the two that were kind of the no-brainers I was like yeah like the one season there Napoleon and Genghis Khan like those are basically done deals like we'll have the discussions but you know I don't see anyone beating those two but that's funny that you'd you bring that up about how how big of a deal Ivan the Terrible is
1: uh, I mentioned last time that like Genghis Khan was one of the first that popped in my head with when Richie first reached out to me about this, Ivan the Terrible was the other. Like those were the top two. Oh, <laughs> so huh, like, huh. Huh. That's
0: crazy. <laughs> that would be a fierce matchup for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um and then what about Matilda? Would you have picked her out of that one? That's a very interesting region with
1: uh those four <sighs> That is that is a, a very, very interesting region. And interestingly, I believe it's the only region that has three women in oh, the right, right. in the first round. Yeah. So uh, honestly no i did not expect empress matilda to make it out of that I, I initial thoughts i would have thought joan of arc made it out there as the the two seed but interestingly enough matilda made it through
0: yeah that was that was uh she's she's the biggest kind of dark horse uh upset I, I would say left in the tournament
2: i was gonna ask so as a history teacher obviously you've taught napoleon mm-hmm. have you taught empress matilda at all because that's the one that that's one that i like didn't really have any knowledge of until until we did this H- had you covered her in any of your classes
1: never not even not even ap had never covered empress matilda uh and actually you know like you mentioned obviously we covered napoleon and that's actually why i have a soft spot for napoleon as well Is the french revolution was actually the very first unit that i ever taught and so huh. Obviously Napoleon ties into that, and so I've got a special place in my heart for the French Revolution in that time period did you
2: ever did you cover Empress Matilda like even as a student like in college or anything did you cover her in in any of your history classes then?
1: Not that I distinctly remember so this mm. Empress Matilda was entirely fresh for me going back and and researching her here
0: okay wow let's let's start with her then. As we kind of, again, I'll I'll give my bullet point highlights and then we'll kind of joke and get into his research here. Uh, Logan and I talked so much about her lineage and she's kind of this hourglass figure in, in uh, European and British history with all her dis- amazing descendants and ancestors. She just grew up surrounded by kings and bastards and saints and she's this young empress where she's married off in a political matchup to the Holy Roman Emperor. Issues with the Pope there, excommunicating her husband. She's kind of this, you know, pawn chess piece kind of thing that women at the time were used for who becomes never actually became crowned queen of england but was definitely had the attitude of a queen and the the demeanor of of a ruler her whole life and was very competent and then, yeah, her brother dies. She becomes her father's heir and, you know, is destined to be, the, or scheduled to be the first Queen of England. And it just doesn't work out because of sexism, essentially. And then you get the whole anarchy civil war. And and then her son it finally does get the crown. And she's kind of relegated to more of a backseat advisor. But it's kind of this grandmother of Europe type. So, Joe, what are your other thoughts on kind of Empress Matilda or things you kind of dug up about her?
1: So, I know it was mentioned in the previous, in the, in the bio, but the... Was it her brother that had the the party boat? Yes, shipwreck yes. Thing? The white ship
0: disaster was her, br- her younger brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was super funny. <laughs> and it, it was basically like they didn't hardly even get offshore. Oh, right, right, it, right. When it crashed, they're like they're like racing party boats. Right. Drunk? Yeah, they're trying like, to race
0: the king back, and they hit a rock <laughs> and sink and all die. like every, everybody. Yeah, because
2: they're all hammered and it, they're, they're all drunk. Yeah. And you said it was like <laughs> the air died, and so some of the people realized that he had drowned. And instead of like swimming all the way to shore, they just kind of like swam back out in the water and like drowned right. on purpose because right. it's like, well, I'm I'm not going to be like the guy who survives the shipwreck that the air died in, right? Like,
1: and they have, like their their little lifeboat too, and everybody just tries to pilot uh, yeah. that and that sinks yeah. Yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> like,
0: no, it's 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 tragic, but also it's like because a thousand years have passed it's kind of funny
2: (laughs) right it's it's sad like it's sad that 300 people died but like also yeah hilarious
0: it's funny that it was the the the, the 12th century and it's just a big 12th century party boat goes down yeah
2: i I wanted to touch on because it's something that we talked about before but also just to kind of clarify what we mean when we say hourglass figure we don't mean that she like has an an hourglass shape to her body but maybe she did (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe she she did i don't know but uh just the way that she she was descended from both the it was the Normans, right? And like the Alfred the Great, Ethelred the Unready, those dudes as well, right? Isn't that but, yeah, what we mean when yeah. we say she's kind of like a confluence of both of those lines? Right. Well the
0: the Nor the Normans and the Saxons and the Scots. So on her mom's side, she's from all the Saxon kings and all the Scottish kings. And then on her dad's side is from all the Normandy stuff with William the Conqueror, because she a granddaughter of William the Conqueror. Right. So, yeah, she's kind of basically everything.
2: And then all of the royals since are also descended from her. So it's kind of like, that's where we talk about. Like, both or all three of those lines really converge at her. And then everything, right. you know, beneath her is all the royals even today, which is why, like, Queen Elizabeth II can trace her lineage back to not only like ethelred the unready and alfred the great but also william the conqueror rollo like right right the, the norman the norman dudes too right which is, through which matilda cool. here like yeah. we, we always yeah. dig on the uh we, we always think that that's kind of cool the uh genealogy stuff
0: and then even isabella of france was from is her ancestor or descendant too right. yeah yeah
2: yeah 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 yep kind of on that
1: same note you know just the the impact that she had on all of europe but not from like a conquering sense, from like a political sense, is is pretty incredible. You know, particularly at this time. You know, like you mentioned, obviously she's got connections to France and England, and then later connections to modern day Germany uh, through the Holy Roman Empire. So half of Europe is is being influenced by her, and so that's pretty pretty incredible. And
2: also, it's kind of kind of gangster that she continues to call herself Empress. <laughs> when she's not anymore right right she's
0: just stubborn ever really technically she may have never actually been officially the empress because the pope wasn't actually there to do the ceremony that would have made it official but that she's just so baller she's just like no that's empress matilda to you
2: right which is yeah and it's also uh it was interesting too that she when she married i don't even remember the dude's name but basically the Jeffrey Von Jew? No, 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 Before oh. that, the whole Oh, the whole Emperor? Emperor. Yeah, yeah. She, like, she was a child bride, so she was, like, way younger than him. And right. then after he died, and she goes back to England, and then she gets married off to a dude that's way younger than her. Right. So she's kind of, she was, ended up being on, kind of, both sides of that coin.
0: Right. And just, yeah, just basically, and then her her dad basically had her declared his heir, got all the barons or whatever to swear that they would support her as the queen of England after he died. Right. And then she, and then he dies and they're like, uh, no, we're not having a woman be queen.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and she does have a, uh, again, you know, I know we've mentioned Game of Thrones a lot in here, but kind of some Cersei Lannister vibes almost in terms of her handling of politics and, and obviously then the setting up of her son to, finally achieve what she was trying to achieve all along
0: true and only right. is not in charge earlier because she is a woman otherwise it would have been a no-brainer yeah. that she would have been queen yeah. would have been king yeah yeah
2: right and she, she was the one she had the deal where so she like took London over and was gonna be queen but before she could be coronated there ended up being like a revolution or something and then they captured her like right-hand man and she had captured the whoever was her King. cousin,
0: Stephen. yeah yeah yeah.
2: steven right who who was the one the main guy who was fighting against her and then they basically had to be like all right back to square one like we'll just continue the war and she's like she traded steven for her right-hand man but then they still had to keep fighting because then she she couldn't be coronated queen like
1: she was so close. right, right. and th- that reminded me as well too because uh about her escape from yes. being in capture I, th- I believe that was from Beforehand, right? She was captured or before. She was,
0: she was, she was uh, not exactly captured, but she was pinned in. They basically had the castle she was in under yes, siege, yes, yes, right? And she escapes in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter, and like ice skates across a river that's frozen in December to to get oh, away from. Yeah. Which is forces. so badass.
2: Like I was gonna say, Rich, say that again because we did not mention the first time we said, "Oh, she she escaped across this river and she was like wearing the white clothes, like the yeah, camouflage." Yeah. We we're like, I wonder if she like walked it, like if it was frozen or if she if she had to swim or like how that worked how did she get across the river rich right she
0: ice skated across a frozen river in the 12th century to get away from is
1: this is that for real because i i heard kind of conflicting things too is that for real she ice skated that is
0: i hadn't found that in my research uh at first but that is what they said on rex factor when they were discussing her they 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 uh nice. they cited that it's like no actually we think it was ice skates uh and of course wearing all white so the guards and people as seizing the castle didn't even notice that the person they're trying to capture slipped out in the middle of the night <laughs> that's
1: so crazy I know Logan mentioned kind of the the James Bond vibe but doesn't that just add to it? Oh, yeah, she's right, got gadgets right. she's yeah, using she's, for this.
2: She's, she's where she's got the special James Bond, you know, white camouflage, the arctic camouflage, and then she's got basically her the uh, what what century is this? This is like the, the 12th century,
0: yeah. The 12th yeah. Cent,
2: she's got her 12th century version of Q making her the special <laughs> gadget which at the time is ice skates like, "Oh yeah, you put these on your feet, you can just glide right across the ice." She's James Bond in the 12th century. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, so basically, the the kind of just sum it up real quick. So her father had named her, but she was over in Normandy, taking care of all of that property. And her her uh, husband is now Anjou, which is just south of Normandy. So when her father dies, her cousin Stephen, who's also a grandson of William the Conqueror, basically just moves in and takes the throne. So then, and it's even it takes years before her to even be in position to even be able to fight him for it. Uh, they do start fighting for it. This is called the Anarchy. It's the whole civil war in England for a couple of decades here as they're kind of sorting this out. They do capture Stephen. She tries to then go to London and get herself crowned. But the crowd in London is basically like, no, we hate women. And they basically <laughs> run her out of town. And, th- and then, then then they capture her, or her. It's actually her bastard brother who's her uh, main supporter. And then they do their prisoner exchange. Stephen re-crowns himself just to like be a middle finger to matilda and her faction to be like no i'm king twice now and then right. and then you get the whole besieging thing and she escapes and then ultimately goes back to france and normandy and then a kind of a half a generation later her son goes and ends up fighting for his own right to take the throne and makes a deal with Stephen uh that he will be the heir when Stephen dies who then dies a year after they make the deal and he becomes henry the second
2: right and they basically it was like a because Stephen didn't have an heir
0: right his son had died he had a son who had died yeah right
2: in order to avoid like more craziness in england he's like all right like i don't have an heir so you can be my heir after i die that way everyone's happy like my supporters are cool with it you know your mom's supporters and your supporters are cool with it and then yeah he dies yeah the next year and then we get henry the second although
0: based on matilda's personality i just i can't imagine she was 100 percent cool with it she wanted to be queen
2: no no no. i'm saying her her supporters she was probably oh right probably like to the day she died was probably like i should have been queen
0: queen. right right
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) because she was still insisting
0: people call her empress yeah right
1: so i I never i didn't catch it but how old was her son when he took the throne oh like early 20s early 20s okay so I didn't know I didn't know if she was like still, you know, kind of playing the the Cersei Lannister role almost. She and, and she you know, was still
2: around for sure. Using her
1: influence over
2: that.
0: Oh right. Yeah, he wasn't young. So basically, basically that's kinda of why this whole anarchy took about twenty years. So when the anarchy first started, when Henry the First died, Henry the future Henry the Second was a little, little kid, like two years old, three years and old. Had, couldn't climb the throne. Right. And then, as a couple, and then basically two decades almost, I think it's about nineteen years go by. Now he's in his early twenties and can fight for that claim and is on his own, uh, while his mom's just kind of been relegated to dealing with Normandy. And they basically both parties before Henry got back involved had kind of just lost the energy of the fight. It was just a, it was just a two decades stalemate uh, between Stephen and Matilda before Henry kind of forces the deal to be made with Stephen. And yeah, she just kind of continues to be an advisor for all of Europe after her son is. Is crowned and if you know, she just has so much experience and was such a competent administrator that it just made sense for anybody in Europe who had an issue calling Matilda to be the impartial arbiter. She knows what she's doing. We trust her opinion. She's just kind of this matron of of Europe at the time and just so so competent, so so smart, and so so screwed over by sexism where she should have been Queen of England.
1: I do think you uh I think it was Logan that just mentioned it here a little bit ago, but how her bastard brother was like her biggest supporter. And I think that really, you know, kind of speaks to her character and her ability, you know, because obviously he could have made a a somewhat of a claim to the throne during Absolutely. this anarchy as well. Absolutely. For sure. And the fact that he is her biggest supporter, you know, I think that speaks volumes. Cause this is not her younger bastard brother right. either. It's her older right. bastard he brother. He would have you
0: know. been king if he had been legit. Yeah.
1: And it's like she should be the leader. Right. And so that that's pretty pretty telling of. What kind of a leader and how competent she was in her you know political standing right
0: from her father's point of view too because her father could have said hey i'm gonna elevate my bastard son to my legitimate heir i'm gonna legitimize him i'm the freaking king and he said no i'm gonna choose my younger legitimate daughter instead and there's even precedent for bastards though being king william the conqueror before he was william the conqueror was william the bastard yep william the conqueror is a bastard just literally the father of henry the first yeah so it's like there's
2: there's precedent for him to make his oldest son his bastard son legitimate and no he chose matilda and that's something is, is not really related to this story but that is kind of funny that like the reason that william the conqueror was king of england as the bastard is because his older brother got like france right or normandy or whatever your generation off. That was that was Henry the first older
0: brother was. Oh, the, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So his, his. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're right. Uh, yeah. After Henry William the, the Conqueror got, conquered England, right? Henry right. The first older brother got Normandy. Got Normandy because that was seen as like the right. better prize.
0: Right. Because the younger sons get the new lands, which was the king. So yeah, the younger son gets the kingship because the ancestral home was Normandy. Right. Yes. Okay. So let's uh let's again we we we're big fans of Matilda here. Let's uh let's move on. <laughs> As briefly as possible, because Logan has a hard out to get to Napoleon Bonaparte, and again, humble origins, the love of battle, quickly rising through the ranks of the military, almost like a Caesar-like rise to become literally Emperor of France, and then all the reforms uh before then finally kind of dealing with an exile and a return and some failed battles. So, Joe, give us your rundown of uh, Napoleon here.
1: Yeah, uh, so like you said. Comes from uh, Corsica, which was actually just recently became a French territory. It was originally part of Italy. That's because it's an island between France and Italy. And uh, so born in Corsica, goes to France uh, at a young age to, for education. He learns French. Uh, allegedly always had a Corsican accent. It was kind of, a, kind of funny to think about. But gets his way into military academy. And... Is actually the first Corsican to graduate from French military academy. Oh, huh. Which, which sounds really impressive, but then again, you think about it, Corsica actually became a French territory the True. year that that he, Napoleon was born. So right, it wasn't like it right. was wasn't like it was like oh, they have had this territory for hundreds of years, and Napoleon's the first to do it.
0: He was was one of the first able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So he uh, enters the French military as a enlisted officer. And interestingly enough then he serves during the committee of public safety which is under Robespierre during the reign of terror oh huh. which yeah, is yeah, yeah. kind of hilarious and i i really wanted to see if i could find out about like his role in that like was he like rounding people up for this uh these assassinations and whatnot well but, he, he did kill a bunch of french people
0: during like a fro- protest in paris or something at one point i was thinking that logan had mentioned yeah which was
1: which was
2: big for for promoting him within the right, army, right? right?
0: He was so good. At, he was so good at calling the mob. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, that was another quote. Another good quote he wrote to his brother after that battle. Oh yeah, because he basically he he had his artillery all set up with canister shot, which is like you turn your cannon into a giant shotgun, and he was just just mowing down <laughs> mowing <these> protesters, <laughs> and he loved it. And also, obviously. <laughs> the aristocracy you know the people in charge they also loved it because they're like oh yeah this guy's just you know just destroying these revolutionaries right now yeah so he said okay so he uh was defending the tuileries palace uh with the use of shot and his cannons he killed 1400 people in this mob. which is
1: the tuileries palace is actually where the monarchy was forced to move after they were forced out of yeah. the palace of versailles right.
2: So after, so after he kills, his, kills 1,400 people in this mob, he wrote a letter to his brother. He said, the enemy attacked us. We killed a great many of them. Now all is quiet. I could not be happier. He was just like, yeah, it was awesome. I was just massacring <laughs> these dudes. They didn't stand a chance. We killed them all. Yep.
1: That's awesome. You know, kind of continuing on. So then yeah, after, after his uh, initial successes as a captain during the French Revolution, he leads a military conquest down to Egypt. And this is actually really funny because it, it's it's largely a failure, oh, and right. uh, but he he leaves his army there, comes back to France, and starts bragging about how successful they've been. And so that that's really like his first taste of celebrity within France. Like everybody's loving him. Like oh, we went to Egypt, and they're having so much success. And uh, which that's actually when he brings back the Rosetta Stone. Correct. I think so. Yeah. 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 And and so that that really promotes him to. Su- Uh, a certain level of fame within France. And uh, you guys mentioned in the bio, like after the French Revolution, after the uh, reign of terror is kind of shut down, uh, there is a Republican government installed, which is largely corrupt. The directory, right? The directory, yeah. The directory, yeah. yeah, It's kind of like a council, more or less, that's supposed to be working together to govern the country. And really, it just ends up everybody vying for power. Mm -hmm. So napoleon with his fame gathers up his followers and marches in the directory and says like okay you guys are out i'm gonna kill you all unless you like hand over power to me and uh so then he kind of creates his own government and names himself first consul and so instead of like this big council it's supposed to be like him and two other people but clearly he's the dude in charge
0: this is so julius caesar i
2: was gonna say very julius very very which is not on accident like he knew exactly what he was doing by doing that that's why you even see on the like in paintings and stuff, he'll have like the laurels like Oh right. He'd love yeah. Julius Caesar. Like he, he was like, Yeah, I'm I wanna be the emperor like that guy. He was all about that Roman imagery, for sure.
1: And what's even funnier about that is uh there was a spot when I jumped on here to solve a tiebreaker with Julius Caesar and Ramses, which hopefully that particular spot gets cut out, but I misspoke and it was actually something that is actually true of Napoleon. Uh because here in a little bit uh, he takes basically a poll of the, the populace and uh, they say like, oh yeah, you can be emperor. Like it, That's what it literally is. It's like, he's taking a poll to make him emperor for life. Hmm. Uh, so the Pope does come to crown him emperor. And he famous like there's a famous painting of him taking the crown from the emperor because not the emperor, the Pope takes the crown from the Pope uh, to signify that it's not the Pope giving him power. It's something that he achieved himself. And so he physically puts the crown on himself instead of the Pope crowning him emperor of France,
0: which is very Charlemagne. I think there's something similar with Charlemagne. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. So then obviously uh, we know that he goes on to be very militaristic and attempts to conquer all of Europe and has a lot of success with it, at least initially because of his military genius. And uh, while I'm not 100% familiar with his strategies, maybe that's something Logan is more familiar with, but has a lot of success. Until he gets to Russia. And uh, (laughs) it should be so telling because nobody in history has had success conquering Russia. And definitely don't go there in the winter because it's stupid cold.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you're you're the Mongols. Unless you're the Mongols. That's a a John Green thing, I think. The Mongols were the exception to everything in history. Yeah. Right.
1: Which I actually meant to mention during the Mongol (laughs) episode. It it just didn't come up. But (laughs) he gets to Russia and... Uh, you guys mentioned in the bio the Russians are hilarious here because they just burn everything and keep retreating further and further back. So the French have nothing to take; yep. they're not getting involved in battles. So it's kind of killing the morale. There's no food because the, all the supplies are burned. Right. And so uh, I think it was he he went with like six hundred thousand troops, right, and returns with like seventy five thousand. Is that accurate? So it's something like that. Those numbers might be a little it's, off.
0: It was it was like ten percent returned. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So so. A, a, tiny fraction of his initial troops. Uh and that's kind of the start of his downfall, obviously. It's kind of side note, but it's it's hilarious just the connection there between Napoleon trying to conquer Russia and Hitler trying to conquer Russia. Because they use the same tactics. Right, right. It's like you gotta learn from history. Russia does the exact same thing. They're like, we're just gonna use this scorched earth policy. We're gonna burn everything until we fall back to Moscow. Uh which obviously Hitler eventually uh, does have conflicts, uh but then the Battle of Stalingrad is kind of that final stand for the Russians. And despite, like, losing half a million people, they they defend the city.
2: Well, yeah, I was going to say, that that wasn't so much scorched earth as it was the Russians just being like, all right, just every person we have, you're just like, you don't have enough bullets to shoot all of us. So we're just going to keep <laughs> yeah. coming at you until, like, we win, which is what <laughs> happened.
1: Well, because typical uh, Soviet Union, didn't they have, like, like, obviously the, the manufacturing of their weapons was incredibly poor. Right, it's like they were there were like literally sending people into battle with like a not adequate gun.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, they were sending like three dudes in with one gun, and it was like which yes. you in, uh, <laughs> enemy at the gates. In, in enemy at the gates. Yeah, yeah. They talk about yeah. When you follow the guy with the gun, when he gets killed, you pick up the gun. When that guy gets killed, the next guy gets the gun. <laughs> yeah, good luck. i was <laughs> just thinking like yeah. i was just thinking like so we're all in the battle. You're you're with
0: those guys, and you're just like holding your gun or getting ready to go fight. You're like what, what's your job? It's like. You got, you got my
2: gun. Right. <laughs> when well, you die, and, I'm going to use that gun. And when the shooting starts, you know, you can either charge the Germans. If you turn around and you try to retreat, the Russians are sitting there with guns shooting you for retreating. You have right. no option.
1: Right. It, yeah. It's kind of like I got next dibs on that gun. right? <laughs> so sorry for the, sorry for the tangent there, but.
0: Oh no, we're all about
1: tangents. So after, you know, the defeat of Russia, like France is uh, kind of humiliated, I guess. So of course, uh, Napoleon's still thirsty for power, still trying to uh, conquer places in northern Europe, and who is it? Britain and the Dutch. And there, there's a coalition. I'm trying to oh, remember right. who else in it. Yeah, the, uh,
2: they basically formed the Allied Powers, just like no, they did right, in World right. War One and World with, War Two. Without France, only was yeah everybody against Napoleon instead of everyone against Hitler.
1: Yeah, and so they they all come in, and at this time, if I recall, uh, Napoleon had been wounded in battle previously. And so he he largely wasn't even recovered, and that's kind of blamed as why the Battle of Waterloo was a militaristic failure for Napoleon, is that he wasn't as actively involved in it because of his injuries. Mm. And so obviously Napoleon loses and is captured and sent away to, is it Elba first? Elba's the first time. The
2: first first defeat... Uh, it, it wasn't Waterloo. It was um, Leipzig.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, when he yeah. was forced to abdicate.
2: Waterloo's the last one. That's right. Le- Leipzig's the first one. You're right. right. Yeah.
0: Waterloo was the final defeat. Yeah. yeah.
2: You're right. Getting
1: crossed up there. So sent to Elba, which lasts like no time at all, uh, before he sneaks out and returns to France. And Logan mentioned this perfectly because the uh, reinstated king of France, who is Louis the 18th?
0: 16th was the one who was assassinated. Then 17th also maybe had died.
1: The 17th got skipped. And then
0: it's eighteenth. Yeah. yeah.
1: So sends uh sends troops to go capture Napoleon and they all show up and Napoleon's like, uh, yeah guys, I'm going to take back power and they all just join him. Yeah. So like, we were sitting here to capture you, but yeah, well, let, let's go, bro. So we're crazy. gonna get you like, back.
2: <laughs> it was like one of those things where the armies meet each other and it it sounds like something from a movie like it sounds you know too crazy to be real but this it's literally what happened he like stops his army and he just walks out in front of everyone and he's like guys i'm i'm napoleon man like and i'm going to go take back power and uh, if you want to join me you know let's go to paris and they're like yeah sounds good and so like every yeah every unit said to try and like stop him or capture him he just like just talks to them and they're like ah oh, yeah we yeah you're you're the best let's let's go <laughs>
1: I think it it is again that just that celebrity factor that Napoleon had. Like he's kinda of like the first celebrity. Like everybody just loved him. So yeah, they all join forces, they march in, he retakes the throne for exactly a hundred days before defeat at Waterloo. And uh yep. then they exile him uh finally again to St. Helena, which is literally in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And uh that's where he has his final days. See so, yeah, l- quick recap of the, the whole story there, but there's a lot of interesting things to mention here. And um, I'm trying to even think where to start, but
2: some of the more interesting stuff isn't even necessarily, I mean, obviously the military conquering stuff is, you know, like I'm super interested in that, but a lot of the stuff that he did, he he did a lot of stuff outside of that, that is also super interesting, like the Napoleonic code and, you know, uh, instituting, like making sure everyone went to high school and, you know, really pushing like science and technology for the time the metric system he was big in the metric system which is like one of the reasons that europe uses the metric system today
1: which entirely came out of the the french revolution with the committee of public safety like yeah because they wanted to completely get rid of the old way of doing things so the metric system was created the new calendar which doesn't last but
2: right which which is why like the uh for i think it actually recently changed to where there is a a more universal scientific definition of the kilogram. But until like just a couple of years ago, a kilogram was something that weighs the same as this hunk of metal that's in Paris. And the reason that it's in Paris is because Napoleon was the one who was all about instituting the metric system.
1: Huh. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, you know, you, you mentioned the Napoleonic code and we kind of, I kind of hinted at that when we talked about Ashoka and that kind of uh, his pillars of edicts that he had built throughout his empire, same kind of thing, just that universal uh, law system for everywhere you conquer, as opposed to the, the philosophy of like when in Rome do as the Romans, because that was largely the thought, like each town had like its own way of handling laws. And, and now Napoleon's like, no, we're going to, everything's going to be universal in my entire empire. If I conquer you, these are the rules. Yeah. And, and again, also the, his push for secondary education, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. And, and he's really pushing that for high schools and really makes high schools a thing moving forward. Right.
2: I, I did want to quick mention his, not uh, super detailed, but his relationship with the Catholic church, like he, uh, which is hilarious. The Catholic church was kind of like cool with them at first because they were getting a lot of like, you know, breaks money wise and stuff. And of course they're, they're all about that. But then they'd, Then they kind of like kind of turned on him and he ended up getting excommunicated later because he started to annex uh, lands that belonged to the Catholic Church, belonged to the Pope. So he's like taking over these papal lands and he and they're like, oh, no, sorry, you can't do that. You're not you're not a Catholic anymore.
1: (laughs) Well, it's hilarious because his use of religion is entirely political.
2: 100 percent. Almost like Cardinal Richelieu. But I think Cardinal Richelieu was maybe even, like, more more devout. But, yeah, 100% political.
1: So during the, the French Revolution, uh, you know, there was a big push about, like, anti-religion. And, you know, uh, originally, like, the three estates of France, the top, top percentage was the church. And so the church owned, like, I'm going to butcher the percentage, but it was, like, 50% of the land of France. It was something absurd. And then the nobility had, like, the rest, and then there's the common people who have nothing. And so, obviously, during the French Revolution, they uh, seized all those lands for the church. And Napoleon's like, well, I can kind of win the church back over by re-giving them some of that power and reinstating the Catholic Church.
0: But Yeah, let's go ahead and get to, since Logan has a heart out here, Logan, let's have you vote first. okay? And then if you have to leave, Joe and I can still finish up everything and we'll just kind of okay. let it let... I, sh-
2: I should be good for a few minutes still. but Okay,
0: okay. Well, let's go ahead and have you vote first just in case.
2: All right, so yeah i mean based on how we've been discussing it and how excited i get to talk about napoleon i'm gonna vote napoleon um which kind of like it sucks that he had to go up against empress matilda because i i really find her interesting like to the point where if you look at the bracket like i spent 40 points out of 100 to get isabella of france past vlad the impaler and then I voted against her right. to send Empress Matilda through that's true. to the Elite Eight. So, yeah, big-time big, big time Empress Matilda fan. I find her infinitely interesting. But there's just—I just feel like there's so much more to the He He's one of those guys that's, like, just super dynamic and, like— j- He's so ambitious, but not like in the way that like a king or someone like Alexander the Great's ambitious, where they're, you know, born into royalty and they just want to get as much land as possible. He came from nothing, but still had this vision of, I want to like be the number one dude in the world. And he, he was, (laughs) which I just, I just think that that's so cool. And, uh, obviously he did a lot of horrible stuff, but just so, so interesting. So yeah, that's my vote is for Napoleon.
0: And I, I would agree that. I feel like Napoleon should be the right choice. And I still was like, as, as a complete coin toss heading into the today, even like as, I mean, even five minutes ago, I'm like still trying to figure out which way do I want to go on this. But at the end of the day, I have to decide to vote one way or the other. And the one thing though that it kind of crossed my mind, I was maybe leaning one way. And as we're talking about the invasion of Russia, I was, just, I got, I, I wrote down a little note here Are the Russians more interesting than Napoleon himself? <laughs> Like the Russian says that people, <laughs> and, uh, no. So and I and I love Napoleon and I love the whole idea that this Corsican kid who didn't even speak French literally becomes the Emperor of France. And I feel like that alone should make him the correct answer here. And so maybe I'm just being contrarian, but I think it's also just I am just so enamored with Empress Matilda that I'm gonna go Empress Matilda and I'm gonna put it on Joe to break the tie here I,
2: I think it's funny that you bring that up about the russians being super interesting because we didn't talk about when napoleon got to moscow like he technically he did take moscow right but the russians had burned down everything before he got there and he there was he, no moscow left yeah he shows up and he's like oh i have conquered moscow hey look at me hey russians come fight me i'm moscow and they're just like no yeah <laughs> we don't have a moscow anymore and then he's just kind of like sitting there with his army in this burnt out city and he's like Alright, fine, I'm going home. And he just leaves. And then
1: all their army dies on the way home too, because oh, right, Russians yeah. are set up and just ambushing them the entire right, way home. Right. Yeah,
2: because then as they're right, as they're retreating, the Russians are killing them the whole way. Yeah. Right. So I was like, hey,
0: Napoleon's not even the most interesting thing in the story of Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a huge fan of Napoleon I do think it's fascinating. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go Matilda. So Joe, which way are we
1: going and why? So before I give my vote, I, I do wanna just touch on that because I do think that's a very interesting point. And you know, obviously, this is a bracket about the most interesting person in history, but we can't discredit just the fact that they're like history is made by more than just one person. And so there's so many unnamed normal people that have had a huge impact, just like, you know, the Russians in that that conquest It's fascinating to think that we don't have a clue who they were. They, they weren't important people, but it, it's just such a fascinating story nonetheless. Uh, and so there's tons of examples about that where. You know, nobody's ever going to get credit for interesting stories like that. right? So, uh, you know, further going on with where I'm going to vote. And, you know, I I told you going into this, I think this was the hardest vote for me. And the reality of it is, even though I have a heart or like a a soft spot in my heart for Napoleon because of, you know, teaching Napoleon and and, uh, the background there, it kind of comes back to what was he more than just a conqueror. You know, and we talked about there's there's been a lot of people that have tried to conquer the world. Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, you know, those guys aren't in the in the rankings anymore. They're they got beat out and and for that same reason. But on the other hand, I I, I might be a little different. And I think Matilda's story is is interesting, but I not to the same degree as some of the other people that we have left either. You know, and so I I'm kind of stuck here (laughs) making a very difficult decision because Again, I, I really hoped that Ivan the Terrible would make it out of that bracket, <laughs> and I, I would have voted for him over Empress Matilda in a heartbeat. But oh, it's a in and now we got a three way tie. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm really struggling with this one, uh, and I, I knew I would struggle with it because again, kind of that one sidedness to Napoleon, you know. And obviously, there are some smaller things like you know his his way of governing through the no- Napoleonic Code, but again, that's been done too. You know, Ashoka the Great had a, a system of of laws spread. Um, if we really want to go back, we can say Hammurabi's code was the precursor to Napoleonic code. Like, it wasn't that innovative. Other little interesting points about Napoleon, like, he wrote a love novel, which was based on, like, one of his failed relationships. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that. Like, yeah, yeah. it was like, basically, he changed the names of himself and his... Pen pal lover, but it was he wrote a book about their. Ever ice skate across a river? <laughs> yeah, but again, he's he's kind of one dimensional. But I'm torn on the same part because I, I just I think there's more interesting people than Matilda lefty. I feel like you're voting for neither. You're you're like I abstain. Neither of them should make it. I, I am struggle. I'm really I really am struggling, <laughs> and and I'm I'm gonna lean towards Napoleon, but it's like a fifty one fifty, and oh! I don't feel good about either of them. Like. <laughs> Okay, I don't feel I don't feel great about putting either of them through. I'm going with Napoleon.
0: Oh, interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm like both. And then Joe's like, eh, you know what? Ne-
1: neither of them really deserve. Yeah, me. like let's just do a final three. Like forget the final <laughs> four. Because you voted my boy Get rid Ivan of out. Both of
2: them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bring Ivan back for the rematch. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it, it doesn't. It's not pertinent pertinent to uh, you know the vote or anything. But there was one other interesting thing that I found about Napoleon. That I'd never heard of until actually this morning. After he died in uh, St. Helena, uh, did you guys catch that the medical examiner uh, took a certain body part from him?
0: Oh, I think I'd heard that before, but it's been
1: years. The medical examiner uh, took his dick. Yeah. No way. And uh, it is currently owned by some lady in New Jersey. Owns Napoleon's uh, penis. Yo, all right. (laughs) I think I had heard that like years ago. Why
2: is it with the French and taking people's body parts, dude? Because we talked about this in the in the Cardinal Richelieu episode that his uh his head was mummified during the embalming process, and then during the French Revolution, some revolutionaries stole it. They like raided his grave and stole his head, and it was some like rich family in Brittany had it for like I don't know, it was like a hundred years or something before. Uh, the king of France like finally decided to, to finally convince him to give it back. Like what? So what is it with the with the body parts? I don't get it. For, if we have any listeners in France, they can explain to me the body part fascination with the dead people. There's a relic please. thing. Well,
0: even even uh, even Joan of Arc. They when the, she was burned at the stake, they then re-burned. They kept burning the remains until there was nothing left, so people couldn't take relics from right. her because those french people had to well, get their body it parts was
2: France and they, they knew that they would <laughs> they probably were like yeah these people are gonna be running here trying to get a finger bone or something
1: <laughs> it's funny you say the word relic there because it would have been hilarious if uh you know matilda had won this and uh oh <laughs> there's your relic yeah.
0: no right I, I thought i have that as one of the possible relics for her is the hand of st james yeah <laughs> um so so joe you are going napoleon
1: uh, i'm going napoleon reluctantly you know like i said it, it's like Fifty-one forty-nine, but okay, okay. I, I didn't feel great about picking either of them to move on okay, so that's kind
0: of funny but we're going
1: napoleon specifically out of uh my past experiences with teaching napoleon
0: okay so yeah we will we'll call it and then uh, so napoleon does advance to the final four narrowly defeating empress matilda where he will face t.e lawrence to determine who will go to the championship in our tournament for the most interesting person in history and then the last thing, and again, if Log- Logan, you got to take off, you can take off or whatever, but uh, we do want to talk about now the relics that Napoleon has gathered in his conquest to make it to the Final Four, what relics he has to uh, help him on his quest to become the most interesting person in history, and uh, we want to hash out real quick what he's got from everybody. So, I do got to bounce. That's fine. Okay, we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, later. Later. Okay. So any other matches we need to change now that Logan's gone? <laughs> I'm telling you, bring
1: Ivan back, man. Give me a chance to defend him. He would have moved on. <laughs> okay. So let's let's see if we can make
0: some progress on here and then we can always at least get it close and have Logan break any ties if we are we are torn. Uh so I like to start with the person themselves. So for Napoleon, I feel like it's gotta be something related to his iconic, you know, hand in the vest, either the hat
1: or the vest itself. Yeah or something. Um, the hat was what I initially thought of, but okay. either either one.
0: And I kinda, I always want to make sure that things aren't mutually exclusive. So we can kind of maybe start with the whole get up. Maybe it's the coat with the hand in it and the hat. It's kind of like one package Napoleon mm-hmm. deal. And then as long as he's not getting clothes from other people, we can kind of stick with that. Uh, so I'm just going to circle all of that. And then from Natilda, she has a few really good options here, I think. that like, And I can't, I can't decide between them because you have... I mean the ice skates that we mentioned, which would be kind of baller. That's what I was going to say. Okay, and and that may be the one to go with. But the other options just, are, I was going to say the the white
1: camo, but I guess that would conflict with Napoleon's uh, right get up.
0: Yeah, he'd have to have that underneath. So she also, if you remember from the the uh, full bio we did, she was the in possession of the hand, the mummified hand of Saint James the Apostle, or yes. what or what they believed to be at the allegedly. time, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which would be kind of a creepy thing for Napoleon to take from her. Well, and actually, so this one, here's the other one I had, probably doesn't really work because he was emperor. So I was just going to, if it was somebody else, I think it'd be kind of cool for them to just to take her stubbornly held title of empress or emperor. <laughs> but, you know, if all of a sudden it's emperor, empress Joan of Arc or, you know, someone like that. But since it is emperor Napoleon, that kind of is already redundant. Yeah, that yeah he's, he already got that in his yeah. own right. So yeah, let's go, let's go with the ice skates. That's kind of just the cooler visual to put Napoleon on ice skates mm-hmm. uh, across here. And then in the previous round, he had defeated... I should just go to Matilda first. So she had defeated Isabella of France. Again, uh, I have an idea for everybody. So if you have something, go ahead and mention it. But I do have kind of a fallback for everything. So for her, I just put her distinctive coat of arms that we do kind of see in Braveheart, where it has the red lions and then also the fleur-de-lis on blue. It is kind of distinctive for her house Mm -hmm. at the time. So I figured that was at least... uh, halfway decent we can go with that and for and hey napoleon will like it she's so got the french thing and then isabella had beat vlad the impaler i mean and that's kind of a no-brainer i think you just got to give him a wooden stake so <laughs> Napoleon, yep. yeah, he's got to have a wooden stake to impale his enemies so yeah napoleon beats t lawrence he's gonna impale him <laughs> Oof. uh and then joan of arc was the last person from that region of thinking the, the armor her armor that, that yeah i that that was kind of distinctive the other one I kind of like, and again, maybe maybe Logan can break this tie here too, but just because of what she represented, I put her banner, that just having this distinctive flowing banner in the battle that she would have held in battle, and there, I even was like looking up, there was even like, mm-hmm. they even have like the schematics I think survived of, like we don't have her actual banner, but like here was what she requested to have made, like it was this white banner with these certain quotes from the Bible and just. I would vote the banner, although... Yeah,
1: that'd be cool. Let's do that's okay, cool with that. Okay, okay. I like that. Yeah,
0: the, uh, the armor is very distinctive, though, of course, too. And then, let's see, then on Napoleon's side, he had beat your boy, Ivan the Terrible. So, yeah, what would you what would you go with there from uh, your boy?
1: You know, I don't, I don't know whether to say just the bear or a bear pit. Hopefully that got mentioned. Uh, the, What was it? The bear what? The bear, the bear pit. Oh! He, he had a pit dug outside of his palace where he would... Like pull up a chair and throw his prisoners in the bear pit and watch them get mauled to death for fun,
0: okay, that's pretty good and that, <laughs> and, and because of your affinity for him I, I'll probably give you two the the one I was gonna say was just uh in all the pictures he has the staff and then like the staff that he killed his son with too mm-hmm. But that's a little more uh mundane maybe than than a bear pit so uh i'm I'm good with the bear pit then we we you know we did not mention, and uh that's pretty hardcore yeah and. and then... And, <laughs> ivan had defeated helen keller <laughs> so <laughs> Oof, the, gruesome the two options i had there uh one would just be like hey just like a childhood doll which i think there's pictures of her with it with a doll but i thought that maybe the more interesting one would be the water pump which is where she kind of has the epiphany that like language is a thing and it's in the movie but it seems like that was a story from real life too is like she it's like finally what she has the breakthrough when her teacher's, like, spelling out, you know, words into her hand with the symbols, and it's while doing the water pump that she realizes, like, oh, wait, this symbol you're making in my hand is what you use to refer to water, which is the stuff I'm familiar with. And so I put the yeah. the, the water pump, which isn't really a battle thing, but Helen Keller's a tough one.
1: I actually just looked it up, and and it is there is uh, truth to it, so... Yeah, I like that. I think that's a great idea.
0: And then any ideas? Again, I have like I have several options here too. For or actually, no. What, uh oh, okay, Catherine. What do you have on Catherine de Medici? And I have some kind of interesting ones here too. I'm curious what you found.
1: Go ahead. What, what you got? What you got?
0: So at first, I had kind of written down because she was Nostradamus was she brought Nostradamus to the French court. So I I first oh. wrote, I had first wrote the occult power of Nostradamus is kind of an abstract. But then I was kind of scrolling through her Wikipedia page there and uh, this isn't i think maybe not 100 percent confirmed but it does look like she wore a talisman that she got from nostradamus that that's pretty cool i think would be pretty powerful for napoleon i was looking also we got a lot of france going on here in this region so like you look at the eight people that were getting these relics from it's like okay napoleon is french isabella france <laughs> is french joan of arc is french catherine de medici Italian, but marries into uh, the French, so France. so like ha- half of these have a major French tie, so this is definitely Napoleon goes into the final four representing all of France, which uh I suppose is appropriate give him the give him the
1: French flag too.
0: yeah, there you go so his uh his full retinue is maybe kind of le- the bear probably may be important because he's, he's maybe slightly less uh, less diverse, I think maybe than some of these other other people here, so we're going to give him his own yes, he's going to wear his distinctive hat and coat have his hand tucked in it just like he does with all his portraits but he's going to be doing that while on matilda's ice skates has isabella's french coat of arms which of course works for him anyway carries joan of arcs banner so yeah the the french is just kind of bleeding out of him as he's coming into the final four here but he does have catherine medici's uh nostradamus talisman helen keller's water pump to keep his troops hydrated and uh He will throw people into his bear pit if they displease him or need to prove their worth to him. And anybody who does displease him gets thrown on Vlad the Impaler's wooden stakes. And uh, that's what Napoleon enters the final four with here. So yes, in our tournament here, there is just four people left to determine the most interesting person in history. It is either going to be Cleopatra, Genghis Khan, T.E. Lawrence, or Napoleon. And we will start the final four next time and we're going to shift gears a little bit here we brought on joe for the elite eight joe's going to stay with us here as we go through the final four but we're going to do a few different things and kind of talk about what would happen if genghis khan met cleopatra and again some other hypothetical things as we have some interesting discussions to determine who makes it to the championship so tune in next time and we will get to those final four matchups thanks for listening